I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 39. Today in the show, we're excited to be joined by our special guest, Eva Shockey, to discuss the rise of female participation in hunting and much, much more. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. And as I mentioned, today on the show we've got a terrific guest, Eva Shockey, and we're discussing the rise of female participation in the hunting world. Now, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with Eva, if you've listened to the Wired to Hunt podcast for a while, you most likely caught our episode with her father, Jim Shockey. He's the very well-known host of several hunting shows, and one of those, Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, is co-hosted by Eva. Now, in addition to her work on TV, Eva has also evolved into a terrific spokeswoman for hunters, especially for the women in our ranks. And that is why we wanted to have Eva on the show today. Now, that said, though, before we dive into this great conversation, how are you doing, Dan? My co-host, are you alive over there? I'm alive. Uh, We survived the ATA show. We did, and that's, uh, that's saying something. I know. Um... Friday night. I'm not going to go into any detail, but I'm just going to say that Saturday's drive home was not easy. About 40 minutes into the drive, I had to use one of the state of Indiana's really clean uh, rest stops, and uh, <laughs> I took a 40 minute nap. You know, I don't, I don't blame you. And, and kudos to Indiana; they do have nice facilities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, ATA is awesome. It's always great to see all the new products and hear about all the news and see everyone, but it always lends itself to a lot of, a lot of late nights kind of going out there and seeing everyone with that, with everybody all together for a few days. It's just, uh, there ends up being a lot of fun being had. So we, we definitely had some fun, I'd say. Yeah. I, uh, I know this is probably a different topic for a different time, but I got to sit down and have, while you were doing an interview, your interview for outdoor life, I actually had to, I, I felt like I was interviewing him. I got a, uh, to sit down and talk with a guy that I think is just one of the greatest hunters of all time, um, if that's such a thing. So, and we'll talk more about that on a later date, but. Let's, let's not even say who that is. I know. We're going to keep it a secret. Let's keep that a secret. We've got I know it. you're jealous, though. <laughs> I'm very jealous. Like, when you came and told me that, I... Just jealousy was the only thing I felt. Jealousy and a little bit of rage and a lot of excitement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think uh, I really hope that um, that we're going to be able to get him onto the podcast here like we've talked, like we maybe will, because that'll be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. So good things. Good things from uh, ATA Show 2015. And, uh, and now we're... You know, we're moving into a new time of year. Both of our hunting seasons are done, and now it's on to uh, the 2015 hunting season. And, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, I wanted to bring 
Eva onto the show today to talk about you know what's really become a, a really terrific trend in the hunting world, and that's been the increased participation from women. Um, you know, for several decades, every time we ever heard about hunter numbers, they were always going down. And now just over the past five or six years or so, we're finally seeing an uptick. And a lot of that is attributed to more and more women wanting to get involved. And I think that's an awesome thing. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, it's been a long time coming. We really should have been talking about this a while ago. So I'm glad that we can finally really talk about this topic, celebrate this topic, and uh, get one of the one of the greatest spokespeople, really, for women hunters on the show here today. Um, so, Dan, what do you think? Are you excited for this talk? Yeah. Um, like everybody out there knows, I got a daughter. She's going to turn two next month. And I'd like, I just want to pick her brain about, you know, I don't really get to talk a lot to a lot of women about, about hunting. So, you know, how her dad got her into hunting. So maybe I can emulate that on my daughter and um, try to get, you know, cause I don't want to pressure her and I don't want to make her do anything she doesn't want to do. So I think I'm going to ask her some questions about that. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. Me too. I've got a couple of nieces who I hopefully will be taking hunting someday soon. And uh, I need some tips. So far, my whole strategy has been basically just to get them really excited about pictures of bucks. Like from the time they could talk, whenever I passed, you know, was over by one of my mounts on the wall, I'd point at it and say, buck. Or whenever I had a hunting magazine out, which I have them all over the house, I'd point at the pictures and say, buck. And then I'd start showing the pictures on my cell phone of bucks. And now both of them are like obsessed with seeing pictures of bucks. Like whenever they see me, like, I want to see buck. Let me see bucks. Or my, uh, my niece, Georgia, who's um, a little bit older now, I think four, um, she'll always ask to go in my office and she wants to sit in my lap and pull up my computer and look through trail camera pictures with me. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. So that's, that's as far as I've gotten so far with them, but I think that's a good start. Yeah. I, uh, my daughter has the, I have my mount downstairs and I take her downstairs. She has uh, my man, my man cave just recently got turned into a child's playpen, <laughs> but I still have some stuff hanging on the wall down there. And, uh, every time she walks by, she says, buck, big buck. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it sounds like something different because she's still young. Right. And, uh, I don't know whether I should <laughs> congratulate her or scold her, but, uh, but yeah, she's, uh, she's learning. She knows, she knows daddy, uh, she knows daddy has big buck on the wall. That's awesome. That's exciting. I think, yeah. um, it's, it's really awesome that now, um, you know, more and more fathers, are trying to get their daughters into hunting and that, you know, more and more daughters are interested in that. Um, it's, it's just great for the sport. It's great for our tradition and it's such a wonderful thing. And it's just sad that for, for a long period of time, um, women felt, um, maybe, you know, not included in hunting for, you know, the past couple decades. And I'm glad that's changing. Um, and I think it's, it's produced a lot of really good things and it's kind of an interesting, um, couple episodes we had here because last week as you know Dan we had my wife and my buddy's wife on the podcast talking about what it's like being married to a serious deer hunter Um, and now today we're going to talk to Eva who is a woman and a serious hunter herself and so we'll get her perspective on things so I think it's a really interesting yin and yang we're going to have here and I'm just stoked for this interview so if you're ready Dan I say we should get Eva on the phone and uh, I think we should start chatting. Yeah, let's get her on. All right, let's do it. All right, here with us on the line is Eva Shockey. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, you know, as I just mentioned, really appreciate you joining us. Me and Dan just got back from the ATA show a couple days ago, and I know you were there too, and I imagine you were really busy. Is that true? Oh, my goodness. The ATA, the ATA show every year for us is nuts, but this year was just above, it was above and beyond anything that possibly could have imagined as far as scheduling. My my calendar was booked from every morning. I think I started at 7.30, and I didn't get back to my room before 12 any of the days, <laughs> and I, I don't know that I stopped talking for more than two minutes throughout the day, so it was great, though. We were happy when it's busy. Oh, wow. That sounds like my worst nightmare. I <laughs> I have, you know, at the show, I'm kind of bouncing around, going to different booths, covering new products, and then I have meetings for business and whatnot, and then a little bit of this kind of here and there in between. And just doing that, I feel like incredibly exhausted after those couple of days. I can't imagine having meetings and scheduled appointments the entire time. 
So yeah, you know, it's, it is exhausting, but it's so rewarding and so fulfilling to meet all those wonderful hunters, especially at the ATA show. I mean, everyone's they're hardcore bow hunters, which is great because the bow hunters are the most extreme hunters I think that exist anyway. So, and there's a whole big building full of them and everyone's excited and everyone's all has the same passion. So for me and my dad, I know, um, I'll speak for him. We, we love it. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty cool event. that's for sure. What do you think, uh, what do you think was your favorite thing from this ATA show, whether it was a event or a product or something you had to do? Was there anything that really stood out for you? Oh, well, I'm glad you're asking because <laughs> I actually launched um, the very first ever that Bowtech's ever done signature bow. It's the Eva Shockey signature series bow um, from Bowtech, and it's a women's bow that's really high-end, so it's the uh, most high-end products and technology and cams and everything that you can get on a bow but it's specifically for women so that was huge it's a really big i think step for the industry because they don't have anything like that so for me i mean hands down i was so excited about i couldn't tell anyone about it i couldn't (laughs) even tell them we're launching something so i just had to keep my mouth closed and we finally got to talk about it so that is awesome congrats on that thank you very much yeah and i think that's a, a perfect segue to what we really want to spend a lot of time here talking about with you, and that is, you know, women in the hunting world. And to kick things off, I was curious, you know, a lot of us were familiar with your with your dad, Jim, and what he's done with his various TV shows. And so I'm curious, you know, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what it was like growing up as Jim Shockey's daughter and what that process was, how he got you into hunting? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's not as exciting as people probably want it to be as far as I didn't obviously I didn't think of him as the Jim Shockey that other people think of him as like I saw him day to day and he was in my life and we were very close and we were a very close family I didn't think of him as like this guy with the tv show so if anything we definitely kept him grounded because we never let him think we thought he was cool because he wasn't I mean I was a young girl but if anything my dad is not cool and people would tell me he's so cool I'm like no way yeah right but eventually obviously um I got out of those teenage years and stopped for a minute and said, you know, I think my dad actually is really cool. So that's when I started hunting. I wanted, I really started hunting. I mean, I wanted to try it, but I really wanted to get closer to my dad. I wanted to do what he liked doing and seeing why he was so passionate about this thing that he did my whole life. And it's the minute I started, the first time I went on, I was completely hooked. I understand 100% what it was that he loved about it, the feeling, the emotions, the journey, the adventure all those things, and um, in the end result, hopefully you're going to have wild game at the end, so I understood more about him. Um, But yeah, he was just, I mean, he was a great dad. He traveled a lot, and he brought us on a lot of really cool trips that most people don't get to do, and they were weird. I mean, we we would do things like take our trailer from B.C. down to Mexico's two-week drive, and we'd be in this little his 19 pre-94 mighty dodge and we drive down and it's like a two-seater with the little bucket seats in the back and we drive for two weeks in this little truck with this little trailer thing on the back and we'd go i mean to every campsite we could find and just stuff that most people don't do and it's not glamorous by any means but it really showed us a lot of the world and showed us to be adventurous and a whole bunch of i mean it was just i'm really grateful to have him he was, he was really cool to grow up with that is awesome so was there any any pressure to maybe get into the family business or or to to hunt maybe before you were ready? Uh, there really wasn't at all because I guess, and that's honestly why I believe I did come back and I wanted to hunt because I never got pushed into it. And if, if people ask me, lots of fathers will ask me, oh, I want to get my daughter hunting. What's the best way? And my advice, it sounds sort of counterproductive, is don't push them. I mean, invite them teach them about it, show them how cool it is and how interesting. But like my dad did, and it was the best thing he could have done, he never pushed me. He never forced me to go on hunts with him. He never, you know, this and that. He never made me do it um, until I was ready. And my mom didn't hunt. So when I, I grew up and she was a dancer, so I was a dancer. I played every sport in the book. I did everything you could possibly do. I just wasn't ready to hunt. And for whatever reason, when I was 20, I turned around and said, Dad, you know, I, I want to try hunting. And I just remember his face because he'd been – asking me and inviting me for years and years and then finally he kind of gave it up like okay she's not gonna hunt and I think that was the point when I when he gave up on me I was like you know what I want to hunt so I started at that point and I, I, you're never too old to start and I wish I would have started younger but um, I'm really glad I started when I did and I kept up with it yeah and the rest is history right <laughs> yeah exactly so uh, I'm curious then do you remember your first hunt 
And if you do, can you tell us about that? Yeah, of course. Oh my gosh, I'll never forget my first hug. Um, when so I was twenty, I came back from university. I'd been on hunts, obviously. I've traveled with my dad a lot and been on a lot of his hunts and been there when he shot things and I was had no problem with it. I was helping him skin when I was young, like it was totally normal. It just I didn't want to shoot something myself until I was twenty and then I decided I did. Um and I but at that point I still I wasn't quite sure um if I would be okay with it. Like if I was the one that killed something, would I be would I be sad or would I regret it? Mm-hmm. So I decided I wanted to start with something that I thought was kind of ugly because then I was <laughs> like, oh, maybe I won't feel so bad. So I shot, um, my first hunt was a, a warthog in South Africa. My dad was already going there for some other, for a trip. And when I said I want to go hunting, it kind of fit in. I just kind of joined him on that trip. And my mom was there. And so I, I went after a warthog because it just, they're so funny looking. And I <laughs> almost felt like I didn't feel so guilty as if it was a deer or something. But in hindsight, I think I would have been fine anyways. But it was a good starting animal. And then from there, mm-hmm. um, it was a, I used a muzzleloader, so it was pretty cool. And then from there, I, on the same trip, I think I got a blessed buck and a black wildebeest. And then that was the next trip from then onwards. I was just in love with hunting. So that moment, you just shot that warthog your first animal you ever shot and killed what was that feeling like for you i mean i know you've been exposed to it with your dad and your family but was that a really wild or sad or what were the emotions you were feeling at that point yeah there's no comparison between the difference in um if i'm on a hunt with my dad and he's hunting versus if i'm on a hunt and i'm hunting it's just such a different element and so many different feelings involved and when he's hunting it's it's i'm calm i mean it's I'm sort of a third party just observing and it's different. But when I'm there and I'm the one responsible to pull this trigger and make a good shot and make sure it has a humane, you know, death and everything, um, there's a lot more that goes into it, especially being a first hunt. And I just remember standing there, I was using my muzzleloader and the emotion, we've been kind of going after these group of warthogs for a while and they kind of kept evading us and getting away. And then we finally got one and it was, we found it in the bushes and, I was so up and down. Like I, I explained it like it felt like a roller coaster. I'm excited and then I'm sad and then I'm excited and then I'm worried and then I'm nervous and then I'm happy. And like it just up back and forth. And the moment I, I pulled the trigger, the smoke obviously for the muzzleloader went off and I said, did I get him? And I was so worried that after all that practice at the gun range and shooting, I mean, I grew up, I grew up shooting, but I just never shot at something. So I was so concerned that maybe I didn't make a good shot, but I, I did. And I, I made a great shot. I started crying because, it wasn't because I was sad. It was just so overwhelming. All those emotions I just yeah. felt within the last two minutes of that situation. And um, it was kind of like the end, the end, and it all worked out well. And my mom was there. She started crying. And my dad, I'm pretty sure he started crying. <laughs> <laughs> it was, the, the poor guide was looking at us like, who are these people? <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about, though. Those are the kind of memories that I think are what keep us all coming back to hunting for yeah. so many years to come, you know? Yeah, for us, I mean, hunting is so wonderful for so many reasons, but I'll always tell anyone that asks, the number one thing about hunting for me that I love is family. It's it's a family thing for us. I love hunting with my dad. Even if I go without my dad on a hunt, I mean, which is great and it's cool because it's more of a independent thing, but I still, if I if I get an animal, I'm just always so sad because I, my dad's not there to share it with me because that's, that's something that's been really huge for us is going on the hunt together. Yeah, I can imagine that has got to be pretty neat to be able to experience that with your dad so often in some of the incredible places you guys have been to, I bet. Um, so so sort of related to what we're just talking about here is the fact that not only did you want to get involved in hunting when you were 20, but more and more today, right, there's more women than ever that are getting to a point now where they develop an interest in hunting. And, you know, as we mentioned, I talked about a little bit earlier today in the show that the past five, six, seven years, a tremendous amount of the growth we've seen in hunter numbers is coming from females. So with that being the case, why do you think that is? Um, You know, it's been a long time coming. Obviously, the female demographic is something that hasn't been, hasn't expanded in years and years. And if it is, it's really slow. But I think people maybe could have guessed it was going to get bigger and more popular, but I don't think anyone foresaw it becoming what it is today. I mean, it's just exploding. The women demographic is just huge. I, we were actually talking to uh, Johnny Morris, the guy, the man who owns Bass Pro Shop. Mm-hmm. So he's very experienced. You know, he's been in the industry for a long time. And he told us 10 years ago, um, 
3% of his buyers at Bass Pro Shop were women, and now 30% is. I mean, if you can just imagine how many people buy from Bass Pro Shops, like, this is a very big scale that he's talking, yeah. and 30% of those people are women, and that's, that's absolutely humongous. It's so wonderful for our hunting industry. It's just, I mean, you never saw it coming, but when women are involved, that's going to get their kids involved, because the more women are involved, that's you know, they're saying this is okay to do. We can be hunters. You can be a hunter if you're a girl or a boy or young or old, and that's going to get their kids involved, the next generation. It's just, it's it's so great for hunting and for the future of hunting. I'm I'm so happy. I'm right in the middle of it. It's a lot of fun. That's great. I 100% agree. It's it's one of the best developments I think we've seen in the hunting world really ever. Right? We've been like you said, this has been a long time coming. So it's great to see kind of this industry and this kind of brotherhood of, of men and women finally coming together and, and making sure that this is happening and that everyone is getting involved. Yeah, and I think the industry is really doing great at it, not only accepting it, but promoting that there's women involved. So there, all the different companies are really jumping on board and getting women's products because that's a big thing as well. When I was young, um, there wasn't a lot of women, first of all, in the hunting industry, but even the women that did, they had to use all the men's stuff. So it was like it wasn't like we women were really the hunters. It was like the women were just tagging along and they kind of had to use the leftovers, like the hand-me-down sort of thing. And now, I mean, you look, there's women's bows. There's Under Armour has their women's line, which is amazing. There's women's guns that are fit for women, smaller, lighter. Um, there's, you know, everything. There's Yeti coolers makes pink um, coolers, which, I mean, not everyone likes pink, but it's just nice that there's different options. Yeah, now. It's not I, think just, it's, I think Dan really likes those, too. Yeah. yeah. I love pink coolers. I'm sure, yeah. Tim Tim was trying to steal mine, my fiance, but I, I told him it was mine. I didn't have it. It doesn't matter what color it is as long as it keeps the beer cold. <laughs> or the fish or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. What do they say? Uh, wildly stronger keeps us longer, I think is what uh, that's, that's the line, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's actually crazy. I mean, we live right in Florida and we we're here in the summer and we have. I have a handful of the coolers, which is so awesome. We have them on our boat and stuff, and it's amazing. I mean, I'm melting. It's a million degrees outside, and I open the cooler, and it's still everything's freezing. I'm like, this is amazing. I don't know how they make those things, but they're, I want to just crawl inside in the summer in Florida. <laughs> All right. For for those women who who may be on the fence, let's say their their husband hunts or their, their father hunts, that recently haven't showed any interest in the past, is, is there a tipping point or any piece of advice or, or something you'd like to share with them on why they should uh, give hunting a try? Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today 
or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Yeah, it, it's different for everyone, obviously, and they all have their own reasons why they do or don't hunt. Like my mom doesn't hunt because, you know, she says there's enough meat in our freezers. We don't need to have another person shooting animals. And that's true. I mean, we're fine. We don't need it. But a lot of people have other reasons, whatever they are. But my big, biggest suggestion is just, you know, get out there and try it. You don't need to shoot something. You don't need to be the one to pull the trigger, but go enjoy the adventure of the hunt and the journey because that's what hunters love. I mean, we love being in the outdoors. We love the fresh air. We love all the space and the quiet. And I think people that don't um, or that don't hunt, they don't quite realize it's not hunters don't just go walk into the woods, shoot something and laugh and then, you know, go home. They go for the whole adventure of it and all the different aspects. And the killing is a very small part of what hunting is. It's just part of it. But there's all the other great things that maybe people that don't hunt um, aren't aware of. And if they gave it a try, they'd realize there's so many great things involved with it. Um, And, you know, in that sense, also, if you can go for women that aren't sure if they want to shoot something yet, go to a bow range and practice shooting a bow or join an archery club and they provide the bows you can shoot or go to a gun range. And I'm sure a lot of people at the gun range will be happy to show a new hunter or a new shooter um, how to shoot a gun and lend them something to try at the range. And, you know, hunters are friendly, wonderful, warm people, and it's just a great industry or a great hobby, whatever it is that to be part of. So I encourage you to at least give it a try. Yeah. I think something you said a little bit earlier, um, was something I've seen too with my wife in that when you mentioned that you weren't sure if you could hunt a deer or a moose or something first, but a warthog, cause it was kind of ugly, might be a little bit easier to, to kind of test the waters with. My wife said the same thing. I've always, you know, encouraged her if she ever was interested, you know, I would love to take her out. And she was always like, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. And then finally one day I was going turkey hunting and she's like, you know what? I could probably go turkey hunting. They've got a really ugly looking face. I could probably do that. <laughs> Yeah, like no offense to the turkeys. Right. They do. <laughs> they're they're delicious and they they're exciting to hunt, but they got a weird thing going on with that snood and the weird layers of skin. <laughs> yeah, totally. So That's funny. Yeah, I I've heard that a lot. I've heard a lot of people start with turkeys. Well, I don't know if it's because they're smaller than other animals or because like you said they have kind of a funny looking face or whatever it is, or maybe because it's a shotgun, so it's easier to hit it versus one bullet. Um, you know, I'm not sure. But and the other thing is. If you're taking out for the reverse role, if you're someone that wants to take out a new hunter, I mean, don't push them, first of all, but don't make them take shots that are 300 yards. Like, I don't even take 300 yard shots. My dad barely takes 300 mm-hmm. yard shots because those are tough. And that, if you do wound an animal, it's really hurtful. And I don't know, I'm sure most hunters will agree when you, anyone that's hunted enough, they've hit an animal bad at some point. And it's a really sad thing. And obviously, you do your very best to recover it or to make another shot. But you don't want new hunters to start out with this feeling of, oh, I hurt an animal or I didn't make a good shot. You want them to have a positive experience. So if you can't get the animal close enough that the person feels comfortable and make sure they know how what their comfort zone is for shooting, then just call a shot off. They don't have to shoot it. And at the end of the day, the success of a hunt is not whether there's an animal on the ground. It's the fact that you went out, you enjoyed it together, you got the fresh air and all the other things that are so great about it. And I think a new hunter will be much more willing to go back and try to can if they have a good experience than if they uh, are pushed too hard. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice. That's so important, it seems, to make sure those initial experiences are positive and, like you said, not being yeah. pushed. Um, and like, don't give a, a little kid, don't give them a big gun, a big caliber. You know, they're going to hurt their shoulder and be scared of the recoil. Give them a, a 22 or something and, you know, let them shoot with it a bunch so they know what it's going to feel like. You don't need to thump them and scare them and if if they don't want blood on them, like I know a lot of people smear blood on their face on their first animal. Like I didn't want that. And my dad, the thing with my dad, who was very respectful that, you know, I am a lady and to me, I didn't want blood smeared on me. And I know that's a tradition. A lot of people think funny. And that's, if you think that's funny, that's great. And that's the tradition. But for me, I didn't. So he, I respected that, that he, he could enforce things like that on me. And I think that went a long way as far as how much I loved hunting. Yeah, that's great. Now, you know, I think you've kind of alluded to this a little bit, and you mentioned um, the fact that more and more now there's women in the hunting industry, and now you are one of those women, and inevitably younger people or, or any age of woman is going to be looking up to you as a role model now that you are in this position. How do you feel about being a role model to, to you know, younger hunters and other women, and you know, what do you think, what kind of responsibilities do you feel you have now because of that? 
Well, like you said, there's a lot of women in the industry now, and there's a lot of people sort of in the same position as me where they're on shows or they're, you know, social media presidents or whatever it is. And I think that's great because there's a there's a handful of us now that um, I guess have a following or whatever you want to call it. And it's good because we all sort of represent different things. We all, like, I'm very much into the family and that kind of thing, and some other ones have different things that they are known for. And that means that all the little girls of the world that are interested in hunting, whether they have one personality or the other, they're going to have someone, whether it's me or Tiffany or, you know, Taylor, Drury, or whoever it is, they're going to have someone that they can look up to and say, oh, I like that person or I like those two people and not that one. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they don't like me, but the fact that they have options of who they can look up to and see as good representatives of the hunting industry, that's perfect. So um, being, I guess, in the public eye, I've known from the beginning, your decisions you make and the actions you do and you know how you present yourself and how you represent what you stand for, it makes a big impact. You can impact people's lives. And there's whether it's a 1,000 girls or 5,000 little girls or 30,000 little girls, whatever it is that they're following me on Facebook, whether they're using their parents' Facebook account and their parent dad showing the pictures, um, that means a lot to me. So I take it seriously. I definitely don't take it lightly and think I can just do whatever I want and not care about it. Like when I make decisions or when I post things, I'm very aware that there's all these little eyeballs watching me like, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? And that's, it's a cool thing to have, but it's also a lot of pressure because I'm semi-responsible for these little girls, whether they are going to turn into hunters or whether they're going to say, oh, I don't like hunting. I don't like what Eva's doing. I don't like what she stands for. And then they're going to go the other way and we're going to lose a big chunk of the next generation of hunters. So um, I'm definitely take it seriously and I'm proud of it, but I also, it's a constant thought in my head of what I'm doing and what I'm showing and I mean it, it this is who I am so I'm true to myself and I really I really don't make any decisions differently than I would if there was no one looking at me but it's just it's just good to always be aware um, of the impact you can have on these kids yeah and I think a lot of what you said there is why I really wanted to have you on the show because you know from watching you know your increased um position in the hunting world I've seen you consistently be considerate of those things and the fact that you are a role model and and take you know take pride in yourself and do things in a classy manner that I think all all hunters can be proud of so you know I appreciate that about what you've done and I think there's a lot of people maybe in a similar position as you if they were in a similar position they might go about a different way maybe they can make more money or get more fame for different things but you've done um You've done some things that I think you should be really proud of, and uh, I'm excited for you know hopefully to have a daughter someday who'll be able to look up to someone like you and and really get into hunting because of great role models like you and others in the industry. Thank you. You know that's actually I think like I mean I don't have kids I'm, I'm just engaged right now, but I think of the same thing. I say if I have a daughter who's you know in in the ages where she can be have you know vulnerable to different things that she's seeing if she's eight or nine or ten or fifteen would the decisions I'm making and how I'm presenting myself, would I want my daughter to be watching me and looking up to someone like me or would I think that that's not appropriate? So I really try to stick with that and keep that in mind. So I appreciate that's a really nice compliment. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, (laughs) So a slight shift on topic then um, before we make a major shift in topic. Um, You know, when it comes to being a female hunter, what do you think is one of the or several of the greatest challenges that might be unique to, you know, where you're coming from that might be different than me or Dan? Is there anything or would you say it's all the same? Um, no, there's definitely challenges. I mean, the, the obvious biggest challenge would be maybe that in the past women haven't been considered hunters or accepted as hunters. And now for as much as the demographic's growing rapidly, it's, you still face the same thing. People see you and then say they see me and see my dad. Obviously they're going to say, oh, he's, the better hunter and in our case he definitely is but there's lots of situations where there's a girl and a guy and the girl's much better at hunting or better at shooting or better at whatever it is and I think um, people are still getting used to that and I haven't had a lot of negative about that I, I really haven't which I'm very happy for I haven't had a lot of people give me negative comments about being me me being a female hunter I just think at first they're almost a little bit shocked still it's almost they're just starting to come around and they're still like oh my goodness she's a girl and she hunts like she's going to be whining and prissy and she's going to want to do her makeup on the in the middle of the mountain and you know that's not the case obviously I love wearing makeup I love getting dressed up but when I'm hunting I'm hunting and it's 
I, it's a different thing. You're not going to hear me whine or complain. You're going to hear me do what everyone else does, and I'm sure that's the same with a lot of girls. So that's one thing. Um, another just natural thing, obviously, you know, we're not naturally as strong as men. That's just a common sense thing. We can't lift the same on average. as the, Like, I can't lift what my dad can lift, but the difference is we can do it or we can help in other ways. We can, whether it's us lifting the same amount but in smaller amounts over and over or maybe we have a different job that we're better at that my dad's not as good at and you know there's there's places and positions for males and females and I think you just have to be you know you don't have to fight it I don't fight that I can't lift what my dad can lift but I am helpful and I try to make camp easier in my own way so um, that's one and I think the last thing is we get colder, easier than guys, at least I do, and every girl that I've ever talked to does. So my biggest thing is I just make sure I always have so many layers on. My dad will be wearing a long sleeve shirt. I'll be wearing, you know, a down jacket and a vest. And my dad will be wearing a jacket, and I'll be wearing four jackets. So it's just natural, <laughs> um, and it's just part of it. And, you know, it's I don't know if it's smaller body size or what it is, but as long as you just take care of yourself and you're prepared, you fit in pretty well, and people are pretty happy to have you out there. That's great. No, that's that's interesting to hear, and and good for me and Dan to hear too, as we uh, think about you know what challenges there might be for our well for Dan's daughter or my future daughter. Or, um, you know, I'm trying to get my nieces into hunting as well. So this is great stuff. Great insight. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, it's nice also if you're trying to get people in, help them find someone to follow. Help them find some whether it's me or whether it's Tiffany or whether it's Nicole, whoever it is that they they you think that they would be interested in, like show them their Facebook pages. Maybe they don't they're too young to have Facebook, but just share pictures and show, well this girl, like a lot of little girls I know they're scared, kinda like I was when I was younger. They don't want to be seen as the boys, but show them like this Eva wears makeup and Eva wears dresses and she I was a professional dancer, like show them that and say, but she can also put on camel and people think it's you know, they don't make fun of her for it, and that's a lot of little girls, I guess, change their opinions about what they think of as hunters. So it's a great, social media is a great tool to have in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's a great, like you said, it, it shows other, you know, little girls that it's okay to do this kind of thing and that that's totally normal and yeah. it's great and it's something that, you know, it's worth looking into because I think a lot of, you know, stereotypes and norms would say, oh, that's that's a boy thing. And luckily, that's changing now. Yeah. But um, it's yeah. great to have someone to look up to like you for that. Exactly. Now, now I want to take a shift, and you had mentioned something just briefly there, a little bit about the negativity, and you know, over the past year or so, there have been a number of very kind of high-profile incidents of hunter harassment, um, especially with things being said online, pictures posted um, by Melissa Bachman or Kendall Jones, and recently you too, where female hunters have gotten a, a really high amount of flack from non-hunters and animal rights activists. So my question for you is, do you think that women are more likely to get this negative response than, you know, you know, male hunters? And if so, you know, why, why is that? Why has there been so much negativity around these couple incidents? Yeah, I definitely think um, women have it a little harder as far as the social media response to being hunters. And I don't think it's really some big brilliant reason. I think it's just there's the anti-hunters and I, they've been against hunting for so many years and they claim that you know, they want love and peace and love thy neighbor and love everybody and love animals. But then they come on and they attack us really aggressively and very much hypocritically to what they stand for, what they claim they stand for. So you see that. Um, and at first, if you get attacked like that, and I don't know if you have been or if people listening have been, mm -hmm. but you get those attacks and you go immediately, your first response is to say, oh my gosh, what a horrible person this anti-hunter is. Like, how could they say that? And I always wonder, like, do they have a, a mother or a father or someone to show them that you can't say these things to people? And yeah, they're behind the computer screen, so it makes it a little easier. But still, I think you should take responsibility. But the difference is between what they say to me versus what they say to my dad or any other girl versus another man. Um, I think they see him in almost like, no offense to my dad, but like a lost cause. He's a hunter. He's always going to be a hunter. He's a middle-aged man, you know, redneck, whatever. They see that and they say, that's what we think of as stereotypical hunters, so we're just not going to care about that. But then they see someone like me or Melissa or Kendall Jones, and they say, well, that's not a hunter. Like, how is this person can't be a hunter? This opens up a whole other world of potential demographic for new hunters and I think it scares the anti-hunters it just gives them fear 
for what they stand for and what they think is right, which obviously is not, if they really understood hunting, they, I think they would change their minds. But they see all the all the girls and they get fearful that maybe that's going to open up another world of future hunters and potential hunters. And that that is bad, obviously, for what they think, what they stand for. So they attack us as much as they possibly can. They get all their friends to come attack us. And, you know, I always say to them, people that ask if it's you know if it's so horrible and yeah it's horrible it's really rude and it makes me sad that these people are stooping to that level to say things like that to me but at the end of the day if I'm going to have 5,000 horrible comments but I'm going to have 20,000 great comments in support of hunters and people that are promoting hunting and sharing hunting to their friends I'll have no problem taking the heat because I know that in the long run, it's the positive people and the hunters that are really benefiting from it, and they're, they're more active and they're more proud and promoting what they believe in, and that's just, you know, it's great for hunting. So it's, you know, it's no, it's no fun, but it's, it's worth it. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a horrible, it's obviously horrible <laughs> that this stuff is said and that, and that these things become such a media uh, madhouse with, with all this attention. Um, but... I'm glad that some people can handle it like you've been able to handle it because really this is, I feel so strongly that this is, these types of um, incidents really hold it. They sway a lot of people's opinions and they get people thinking about these things. And unfortunately, you know, hunting in America or Canada or wherever it might be, you know, even though it should be, it really isn't a right. In the end, it's a privilege given to us by, you know, the state and the government and, really that right is or that privilege is given to us by the voters and right now something like 87% of people out there aren't hunters so if that public opinion if those people all of a sudden decided no hunting isn't okay all of a sudden they could vote against what we believe in and we could lose that privilege to hunt and so that public opinion whether you like it or not is is important and i think that when these conversations start being had and they're put up there on on Fox News or CNN and people start debating these things I am just so thankful that you're the person who's talking about that or someone else and not, um, you know, not the stereotypical hunter that everyone likes to imagine a hunter is like who, you know, is doing the things that some of the anti-hunters like to claim we all do. Um, But it's something that's... Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree with you. Whether it's, I mean, me, obviously, I'm, I'm happy to do it, and I think that I 
stand up for what's right and represent it in a nice place. So that, for me, that's great. But there's also a lot of other people that would also be great at it. And it's just a case of, you know, you have to show them that what we're doing is right. At the end of the day, hunting is a good thing. So that's what I always say. Hunting is a good thing. So you just have to break it down. Why is it a good thing? Well, conservation, well, fresh air, organic meat. I mean, the other thing is sometimes I ask people on Facebook, I'm getting attacked by from all sides by these people that hate what I do. And I, I post something, I go into their Facebook page and just see like, who's this person saying these things? And they go look at it for, it takes me two minutes. And I see they're eating a steak at dinner. They're having a hamburger. They're having, they have, they're driving in a car with leather seats. They're wearing leather shoes. And I'm just looking at them like, are you kidding me with this, how hypocritical you're being? We as hunters, we provide ourselves with all of those things. If you have those things, then you're not really an anti-hunter. You're just totally misinformed and naive about what it is you believe in because you can't have leather things and not like hunting. It just doesn't make sense to me. So that, I mean, <laughs> gets me kind of riled up as you can see. Oh, yeah. It just makes sense that because, you know, there's, hunting is such a great thing in the world. And the more we can talk about it on mainstream and represent it in a great way and really show people, I'm not just going to fight with the anti-hunters. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to swear at them and stoop down to their level. I'm here to talk about hunting and how great it is and promote it by showing them the beneficial things we as hunters do. And without us, the wildlife management programs and all of that animal populations, it would be a lot worse off than it is right now. So, and you mentioned uh, briefly on this a little bit earlier about social media. And you have a gigantic following. You have like over, you know, over 700,000 friends or whatever on Facebook. You have over 50,000 Twitter followers. What message would you like to, you know, to, to tell your followers? Is there, is there a particular message that, that you'd like to share about hunting in general? Um, I mean, there's definitely a few overriding themes of what I stand for and who I am. Um, hunting, like I said, hunting is a good thing. I try to show them that I don't just hunt to kill something. I hunt, first of all and foremost, for me, it's family. So that's something that hunters as a whole, we stand for family. We have the basis and the quality of life that we enjoy promoting family is a great thing. I mean, the world today maybe doesn't. The, the marriage or the divorce rate, sorry, is so high and Hollywood doesn't really support family and every every other, whole so many industries. But hunting is different. The hunting industry really supports and stands behind the importance of family. So for me, that's something I try to share with everybody on social media. Obviously, the natural element of hunting that, you know, you can go to the grocery store and buy a steak that has hormones and pesticides and everything else in it, or you can go and sit in a tree stand, have this wonderful experience, be in the fresh air, turn off your cell phone and your computer and your whatever else for the afternoon and end up shooting something and getting it, skinning yourself or getting it butchered and putting it in your freezer and there's no hormones, no pesticides. It has had a wonderful life up until that exact point as opposed to being in cages. So hunting for that element, you, you're you provided with this meat that's so much healthier than getting it at the grocery store and you know the animals had a good life. So if you have sort of the feeling that hunting has so many positive elements, I think that's one that I try to share with people. I think those are such important things for, for all of us to remember. Like you said, hunting is a good thing and, and I think it's important for us to be able to be able to effectively communicate that with people when they start asking us questions about these things, you know? Yeah, um, I, I mean, if you get attacked, you need to have responses, and it's just, it took me a while to really get a full grasp, and that's probably why I did not, because I didn't really understand the concept of this animal is going to go into my freezer, and the money from the tag on this animal is going to go back into wildlife management, and all those things, they're so great, and it, once you understand that, it's pretty hard to argue against hunting, because it's just, you know, it doesn't, what you're trying to say, it doesn't make any sense when you know all those elements. Yeah. So kind of tying into something we were just talking about a minute ago and into this right here, you know, every time that we have a conversation with someone on the fence about hunting or someone who's, you know, against hunting, um, we're kind of fighting this, this tiny little, little teeter-totter of, of a battle where we might be able to change, you know, someone's opinion or a family's opinion or, you know, however many other people that one person might touch. Every single interaction we have with someone who's on the fence about hunting, 
it's important. And so it's important to a, you know, do the understand the things you would just you just mentioned there about why hunting is good, um, and then b to represent ourselves and conduct ourselves in a way that positively, you know, shines on hunting. So that when they say, hey, the way that person acts or the way that person hunts or the way that person talks about hunting, you know, that's that looks like a pretty good thing. I could get behind that. And then number three, um, finally tying into what you've had to deal with, Ava, being handling the harassment and negativity. It's how you handle that. So uh, we've kind of walked around the subject a little bit, and you've mentioned a few things, but I want to make sure we, we touch on it directly. For you know, for a young girl out there, let's say, who's getting into hunting, maybe she's in high school, and she's gotten into hunting, and now all of a sudden some people find out she's shot a deer. And she starts getting harassed about it. And people are giving her a really hard time um, because, you know, you're not supposed to hunt or that's a horrible thing or whatever it might be. What would your advice be to that young girl or woman who's dealing with this for the first time? Um, is there anything else specifically you would say that they should be keeping in mind that they should um, you know, factor in when dealing with that? Yeah, I just stand by what you believe. And if you're a hunter, you're a hunter. And if you're hunting, it's because you understand why it's good. You understand all the positive elements. And if you don't, I mean, if you just started hunting and you're still a little confused, just go online, go on websites and go on FBI or NRA or whatever other websites as well, Turkey Foundation, anything. They have so many great stats and information, whether it's for yourself just to know or whether it's something that you want to have in your pocket when an anti-hunter comes up and says, you shouldn't do what you do. And you know that you're supposed to, you should do what you do, but you're not quite sure how to put it into words. That's a great way. I mean, I actually should go brush up because it's great to have those stats to really show, you know, I'm right. I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. Like, these are real numbers and, like, come back come back at me and t- tell me you don't like hunting when you have your own numbers that prove otherwise because you're not going to find them. They just don't exist. And the other thing is, I think it's important as well. I mean, being a hunter is a great thing, but I don't post it on Facebook for shock value. Like, I'm not going to post it for attention as far as I want to shock people and just have them say, oh my goodness, what, what's going on? Like blood everywhere and guts. And I mean, yeah, blood is part of it and gutting an animal is part of a hunt, but you don't have to publish that. I think, I mean, if you want to, you're welcome to, but the thing is you want to keep it respectful. Like when people don't like hunting or maybe they don't mind hunting, but they don't want to see that, you just have to respect that a little bit and show when we post pictures, you'll never see a picture on our pages or on our TV show even as much as we can help it, like we, we won't have blood showing. We won't have their tongue sticking out. We want to show respect to this animal because it's not just some random thing we shoot and walk by and don't care about. I mean, there's a huge amount of respect for the animals that we do hunt, and they gave our, their lives for us, and we get to enjoy their meat for the rest of the year of the season. So we try to show them with respect, and in return, people that maybe are on the fence about hunting or don't like hunting, they give a little more respect back to us because they, they know, you know, we're not being rude. We're not sitting on the animals or standing on the animals. You know, this is a real live thing and it's very important to us. So that's another thing. Just try to keep that respect level up and then stand by what you believe. Yeah, that is huge. And again, you know, I think all these things are all really closely tied in together. That, like you said, is such a representation that when someone sees these pictures we post on social media, they're going to make judgment calls based on that. And if we aren't careful about what we put out there, the wrong judgment could be made. Um, yeah, exactly. We ha- we actually, I was doing an interview a few months ago, and um, the, the person asked me, I'm trying to think how it went, he said that a woman from this town wrote in and said that their um, gun course, like their field instructor or whatever for your gun course, gun safety certificate or hunting safety certificate, he told the instructor, so this guy's a hunter, he told all his students, but they absolutely should not post anything about hunting on Facebook or social media. They should not have any dead animals. And I, the, the interview I was doing asked me what my opinion was. And I think that's absolutely, completely wrong. I don't think that man was right in any way to tell his students that. I understand his reasoning. He was trying not to get his young students, you know, in trouble or get them to have controversy. But if you're a hunter, you understand, like we've talked about in this interview, you've you understand why hunting is so great and so positive and you're not doing anything wrong. You're proud to do what you do. So there's no reason to hide it, but at the same time, in a small way, I agree with this man as far as, you know, like I said, be respectful and it's not for shock value. It's because this is a great thing you're doing. And it's even better if you can show 
your family eating the meat from the deer. So say that we're what you're going to use the meat for, who you're giving it to, or anything like that. It's just those small things. They represent us as hunters as a whole. And you have to remember whether you're me and have all these people on Facebook or whether you're Joe from next door who has five people on Facebook, every one of us represents hunters as a group. And if we want the future of hunting, like you said, it's a, it's not a right. It's sort of a something that we're given by the government currently, which is a little bit upsetting. But if you want to keep that going and keep the future of hunting strong, you have to know that everything you put out there as a hunter is going to reflect back on us hunters. So don't go drinking and drinking beer in the woods and shooting animals. That's not what we do. We're, you know, we have ethics and morals and we have highly regulated hunting seasons and all of that is um, really important that people know that and that we follow the rules. Absolutely. And I think something that you had mentioned there ties into, ironically enough, something that I heard your dad talk about on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which is a, a great interview he did there a month or two ago. And it was actually planning, I'm planning on writing an article about this whole topic um, because I've got some thoughts on it too. But I'm curious to hear your perspective. And I think it ties into what you just said there. But, you know, when it comes to photos on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it might be, it seems in a lot of cases that non hunters, when they see photos of someone next to a dead animal and we're smiling, the act of smiling next to a dead animal, that seems to be really off-putting to a lot of people. And I guess from an outside perspective, maybe I can see that. But from an inside perspective, I understand there's a lot more going on there that is why we're smiling in that picture. Um, yeah. But I'm curious for you, what are your thoughts on that? And, and how do you explain that to a non-hunter? Well... I mean, I understand the concept behind it. I understand it looks a little weird for Aunt Andrew to see someone with a dead animal smiling when I don't know what they think we should be doing. I don't know if they want us to post it crying. I'm not sure what would make them happy. <laughs> I can't help it. The, yeah, yeah, the thing is, you know, as hunters, you work hard for those animals. You put in the hours. You put in the practice if you're shooting or bow hunting or whatever. You obviously put a lot of money into it for the tags and for the products and for the gear that you need to. Hunting is not a cheap thing to do, but when you work hard and you do all those things and everything comes together and, you know, sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it does if you're lucky and you get this animal, the basis behind it is what we've talked about, that it's a great thing. Hunting is a great thing. And the fact you actually got an animal after working hard is, you know, cherry on top. So when you're posting a picture, I guess it goes back to, smiling in a picture it's still you know you're still being respectful you're proud of what you accomplished you're proud that all the things you believe in all came together and it's sitting there in front of you and that meat is something you get to eat I mean you don't see auntie hunters in the grocery store buying steak crying you know it's just not (laughs) it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't like it's a sort of it almost doesn't make sense to me that they would care about that but um yeah it just when you understand all the things and all the reasons why you hunt and you're proud to be a hunter. And, you know, I'm so proud to be a hunter. Anyone in the world can ask me if they have a gun to my head and ask me if I'm proud to be a hunter. Like, I'm going to say yes, because I am. So I don't see why having a photo smiling, that's just showing you that you're proud and you're, you know you're doing the right thing. So in that sense, I think <laughs> they just need to stop looking at our pictures maybe. <laughs> True. <laughs> all right. So I have a, I have a question, and this is really not related, um, but me and Mark are obsessed when it comes to deer season opening day. And I remember this year we were uh, we were texting back and forth at like midnight, one o'clock. Are you pumped? Yeah, I'm pumped, and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> are you as obsessed as we are? And what's what season? What animal gets you the most excited? Oh my gosh, totally as obsessed. <laughs> we have the worst part is we have so many people in our company that are all involved. So whether it's camera guys or whether it's someone at you know, at our hunting area that they're putting out bait or whether they're checking the stealth cams or whatever it is, there always seems to be some kind of season in our company that's happening. Um, and there's always something to be excited about. So I think we're even more obsessed maybe because we always have like most, the average person probably has deer and turkey season. We have like deer season to get excited. And then we have moose season and caribou. And then we have turkey and bear and, you know, Africa. My dad will go to Africa and I'll be excited about every time he texts me a picture. Um, so I definitely am as excited. As far as my favorite hunt, I always say um, the Yukon is my favorite because I love the area and the pristine and purity and 
you know, you're the middle of nowhere. No one can get to your two and a half hour flight from the closest road. You're just in the middle of absolute heaven on earth. But as far as getting excited about something, I'm going to say it's white tail season because that's the kind of thing. I mean, moose, you kind of go up, they drop you off in a full plane and you're on your own and you just have to figure it out and find what you're looking for. But like every whitetail hunter knows, there's a lot that goes into it as far as cameras. Like we put our stealth cameras out months in advance and set up our stands and everything else um, that's involved with deer hunting. And every day someone will pick up the cameras, whether it's me if I'm there or someone, our neighbors will go pick them up and send us the photos. You have to look at all the camera photos and see what's coming in and see how big it is and age them and see if you've seen them in years past. And so for me, whitetail hunting, and I'm, I'm sure my dad would probably agree, it's just, as far as getting excited about a season, that would that would probably solve it off because you really have a lot of lead up to the season before. Yeah, I think you know we actually interviewed your dad a couple months ago on the podcast, and I think we asked a similar question, and he said, I believe something pretty close. I think he said moose is his favorite animal to hunt, but white-tailed deer was the, was the animal. If he could only hunt one thing for the rest of his life, that would be the animal um, because of everything yeah. that goes into it. And, yeah, uh, exactly. It's, and it's cool because it's white tail, um, we'd probably be the same in that sense. If we could hunt one animal for the rest of our life and not hunt anything else, I would definitely hunt white tail as well because every white tail hunt, every from year to year or province to province or state to state, I mean, they're so different. And you can, it's, I love it because their antlers kind of tell a story. And I love that you can see them from year to year and see them grow. And if they get hurt, you see, you know, a drop time start developing and you see this and that. And, you, and then they start getting smaller when they're that old. And it tells a story just by their antlers, let alone the beautiful animals that are actually carrying the antlers. And I mean, on top of all that, my favorite meat to eat is venison. So (laughs) at the end of the season, I'm really happy if we have a deer on the ground, whatever the antlers or non-antlers look like, it's just, it's a great thing to have in your freezer for the rest of the year. Yeah. So true. We, me and Dan could go for hours talking about why we love whitetails so much. So we better stop now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So my final question for you, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you recently had your own bow, you know, announced by Bowtech, and things are mm-hmm. going great for you with, you know, your show with your dad and whatnot. But is there ever going to be plans to have your own show in the future? Um, it's funny you ask that because yes, I mean there there has been plans for that probably for about five years now. Since I started, it's always been a discussion. We've gone back and forth with Outdoor Channel and. I'm not really sure how much I'm allowed to talk about, <laughs> but um, yeah, there definitely is. It's more than it hasn't been that we couldn't make it happen because obviously we have the editors and we have the opportunity to do that. It's just my dad, which I have huge respect for him. He's been really careful in helping me sort of maneuver my way in the industry, and you know he's been a great role model first of all. But he knows that you can't just jump in and expect it to go like, great. You have to make small decisions and every small decision leads to the next slightly bigger decision and a slightly bigger decision. And the roles I've taken and the jobs I've taken and the companies I've represented, I mean, those are all carefully thought out because we know that every decision I make is going to affect the future. So we haven't, we haven't jumped in for me to do my own show at this point, but I will tell you that it's definitely getting a lot closer, and I'm sure it will be uh, something that will be happening in the near future. That's exciting news. And I'm glad that you were able to tell us that, too. I know there will be a lot of people excited to see that whenever that comes comes down the pipeline. <laughs> hopefully, outdoor, hopefully Outdoor Channel is not listening because I'm not really sure what I'm <laughs> I was allowed to say that, but sorry, Outdoor Channel, if you're listening. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to make sure they don't hear it, but I don't think I'll have much luck. <laughs> Well, Eva, this has been an awesome conversation. I think um, it's something we haven't been able to talk about yet in the podcast over the past year, but it's such an important topic. So I appreciate you being with us here to to have this conversation, to talk about these important things, and to and to do it in such a great way. I think again, I said it before, but uh, we appreciate the way that you represent hunters and females in hunting. Um, so thank you for that, and then also. For those that want to keep up to date on your latest hunting adventures or want to learn more about you know, Jim Shockey's hunting adventures or anything like that, you know, where can they go to get that information online? Uh, there's a lot of places now, actually, thanks to social media. We have the best place for us probably would be Facebook. So it's facebook.com. And if you want me, it's slash Eva Shockey fan page. And if you want my, my dad's page, it's slash Jim Shockey fan page. And then we're both on Instagram and Twitter. The best way is just 
Instagram.com slash Ibushaki or Twitter.com slash Ibushaki. There's not a lot of Ibushakis out there, so I kind of got my <laughs> dibs on my name, and I get I'm the one person that gets my actual name and doesn't have to put like one 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 beside it or something. You, you didn't have to pay twenty thousand bucks to get that or convince Twitter <laughs> yeah, to give it yeah, to you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm just I'm just waiting for someone, another Ibushaki that has a bigger job than I do, and they're gonna kick me out of my own <laughs> Facebook pages. <laughs> Well, I hope it doesn't happen, but um, thank you again. This has been awesome, and um, best of luck with, with everything this coming year. Thank you. It's been great. You guys, it's awesome to hear you guys that are so excited about hunting and care so much about the future of it, so anytime you guys want me on here, I'm, I'm yours. Awesome. Well, we might take you up on that. Perfect. All right. Bye-bye now, Eva. Thanks a lot. Oh, thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us today, and... I thought this was a really cool conversation, and I hope you guys did too. That said, for show notes and links from today's episode, visit wiredtohunt.com slash episode 39. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the Wired to Hunt podcast on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or the Stitcher app, so you can get all of your future episodes downloaded right to your phone or tablet. It's by far the best way to get your podcasts. And as we always ask, if you enjoyed the show today, we would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Now, as always, we'd also like to thank our partners who helped make this show possible. So big thanks to Sika Gear, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Carbon Express Arrows, Huntsoft, Lacrosse Boots, Big and J Long Range Attractants, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. And finally, thank you all for being with us here today. If your hunting season isn't over yet, Good luck in these final hunts. And if it is over, well, it's time to start working towards the next one. So keep after it and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.